Welcome to the Strong Savvy Cyclist and Triathlete Podcast, where we talk strength training, science, and all things performance for cyclists and triathletes, helping you be a stronger, more savvy athlete now and for many years to come. Here's your host, Menachem Brody. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 176 of the Strong Savvy Cyclist and Triathlete Podcast. Well, after 175 episodes, we have gotten to that fat loss episode, and we are going to discuss today something that hits very close to home and that I am still at the tail end of, and that is how do you do a body recomposition as a cyclist who is also strength training or as an endurance athlete who is also wanting to strength train and see results. Now, I'm going to start off with a quote today from uh, someone who I consider a a mentor afar, and that is Dan John. We had him on the episode, I think it was back in the 70s, number episode 70-something. And uh, that is, if you want weight loss, cut off an arm. There you go. You've lost weight. But what really people want when they say they want weight loss is they want fat loss, or something that I have been calling body recomposition for the last couple of years. And this episode, we're going to touch on the eight integral points that you must follow and adhere to as you are going through body recomposition or fat loss. Now, this is something, this is a journey that I've been on uh, since we had the corona lockdown in 2020. We also had our firstborn join us as well, so a very stressful time of life. We had a great time in lockdown because we got to spend there time with him in, in the house. We saw all of the major milestones, both my wife and I. It was a phenomenal time. And we also ordered out a whole lot, uh, way more than we should have. Uh, I also was eating as though I was still training or being active like I normally was. So instead of eating like I was training four to six hours a week, I was eating like I was training 12 to 15 hours a week. Um, So over that time period of about six to nine months, I put on 40 pounds of weight. And over the time after they opened up from lockdown, I put on another 10. So I put on 50 pounds of fat mass. And it wasn't uh, until I literally woke up one morning to put on my bathing suit. This was 2022 in August. And I said, wow, I must have shrank my bathing suit. And then it finally hit me. No, silly. (laughs) You're fat. (laughs) You have put on the wrong type of weight. This is why you are out of breath coming up the stairs. It's not because you had corona, although that is a little bit of the reason. But uh, you are way out of shape, buddy, and you got to do something. Whereas... Uh, Tony Robbins like to say you have to reach that point where you don't just go, I'm overweight, I'm huge. Well, I hit that point, and you can even see it on the YouTube channel and uh, in some of the videos. And I wear the same stuff now, and I just kind of shake my head and go, how could I not see it? Uh, and we're going to get into the eight points, and we'll start with uh, a really important one in just a moment. Before we get into that fat loss episode, there's a couple announcements here. Uh, we are releasing this on Monday, October, or excuse me, Monday, November 20th. And this is Black Friday week. It is no longer Black Friday anymore. You know, everybody says it's Black Friday. It's a whole week. So last year, I ran a couple Black Friday specials. And that was the first time I ever did it, ever, 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 ever. I've never, ever done it before, Uh, really, I mean that. And what really struck me was there were a number of people here on the podcast as well as on the newsletter who said, you know, unless you had done the discount, I really wouldn't have gone for it. But now that I'm in the program, I'm so glad I did, and I can see the value. So that has led me back and forth with one of my my business uh, coaches. Uh, We had some discussions, and we came up with a whole... 
um, different approach to Black Friday. So last year, I kind of threw it together. I didn't really have a plan. It was more of a couple people would ask for programs and discounts. And I just said, you know what, wait till Black Friday and I'll open something for everybody. So this year, we actually have a plan. It has been well thought out. And I'm very excited. So all week this week, we are going to do or we are doing, I should say, 25% off of the strength training for cyclist certification and the stronger after 50 course. So the links are in the show description. You can click on them. They're only good between today, Monday, November 20th, 2023 to Monday, November 27th, 2023. That's it. We're not going to discount them anymore. So if you're late, I'm sorry, but you missed it. This discount does include the six pay. So that will bring it down to around a hundred bucks a month for six months. So it makes it much easier to budget in for those of you who are living on a budget and who do want to take the certification course. Now, if you'd like to find out what the other Black Friday promotions are, you are going to need to be either in the free HV training, strength training for cyclists and triathletes Facebook group, which there is a link in the show description, or on the HV training email list, which you can sign up for over on the Human Vortex training website. So each day for 24 hours, we are running a special. This varies from uh, paid in full for coaching. We get a nice discount for a limited number of people for three months or six months. We also have a gift card that you can give to someone else with a significant discount off of the coaching as well as personalized three to six month pre-made strength training programs for almost 50% off. Now that is limited in number as well. So almost 50% off, and then you have to purchase at least eight weeks. Uh, But that is a significant one, completely personalized. You go through an assessment as well as other specials. If you would like to find out what these are, sign up for the newsletter or uh, go ahead and apply for the HV Training, Strength Training for Cyclists and Triathletes free Facebook group. The cost of entry is answering three questions, which will allow me to better guide the content of that group. And we've already had a great uh, post on HRV this week and uh, a whole lot more coming. Now, that covered, we are going to talk about fat loss and body recomposition. I really prefer to call it body recomposition. And that is something that I started a couple years ago because I learned it from one of my coaches. You know, I asked him a question about one of my athletes and said, hey, you know, uh, I think I'm going a little bit too hard with the strength training for this guy. How do I rearrange it uh, for fat loss? And he said, well, really what you're trying to do, dude, is you are trying to re recomposition his body because you want him to be an athlete, right? He he is an athlete. He's coming back. He's 37. He's coming back to bike racing. He had put on 25 pounds, you know, similar story in mine, except not as extreme. Um, and, uh, it wasn't me by the way, I'm not referring me and you're recompositioning his body. So if you change it from fat loss to body recomposition, it really changes the mentality and the mindset. And that was a game changer. So I started using that terminology of body recomposition uh, pretty much with everybody. I'll use fat loss in conversations when I'm talking specifically about fat loss, but really we want body recomposition. And this ties us into point number one of eight that we will cover today. And that is mindset, mindset, habits, habits. It really comes down to the mindset that you're having when you come into this and the habits that you are developing and refining as you go through. 
Now, one of the major things about this is we don't want to talk about weight loss. If you want to lose weight, we simply put you on a restrictive diet, don't have you do much, go do a ton of cardio, and you will be stuck on that cardio and restrictive diet forever because you are going to yo-yo back and forth, up and down. Now, back when I started in the fitness industry uh, over 20 years ago, uh, well over 20 years ago at this point, uh, it was one of those things that that's what was common. If you want to lose weight, you do lots of cardio because you got to burn those calories, right? And now it's high-intensity interval training. You got to do the hit for the, the post-cardio burn, and you do a restrictive caloric intake. Now, the restrictive caloric intake is a necessary component, but we will get into the details of how to do that here shortly. However, cardio itself is not going to get you to create a body recomposition. So what happened to me is a common theme that happened to everybody. And I actually did this uh, partially on purpose and in the end, not really on purpose. So if you follow the podcast here, you heard back in January of last year, I, or this year actually, I tore the tendon on my bicep. So I, I tore it off completely. I needed to have surgery. I tore it on Thursday. I was an idiot. I did stupid for the 12th time in my life. I will do many more shades of stupid, uh, but I did stupid and tried to catch a kettlebell in a way that I knew that I should not. Uh, it was just a momentary lapse of judgment. And I wound up uh, having surgery. And in that time period, I had been trying to lose more weight. I got down from 105 kilos down to 98. And I said, you know what, during this time after the surgery, I'm just going to focus on healthy fats, some proteins and a little bit of carbohydrates because I can't do much. Like I was on heavy painkillers. I was having a lot of trouble sleeping. So that was the way that I decided to do it. And guess what? I lost lots of weight. I lost about eight kilos. I got down all the way to 90 kilos, but I lost seven and a half kilos of muscle mass and a half a kilo of fat. That is what happened. And it was inadvertent. It was really, I was just not in a good mental place uh, where I was able to do much during that time. It really, I wasn't able to work for those months. And what it did is it really, you know, kicked me down. And I really focused on the caloric deficit, which I nailed. I nailed it, man. My, my <laughs> when we saw the weight go down on the scale, uh, my coach was very excited. He said, that's awesome. You, you know, you've really, you know, taken a silver lining out of this and turned things around. And then we started to look at my strength training and I lost a lot of strength. And we were like, oh, that, that makes a lot of sense. You weren't really doing that much, but I was walking every day. I was doing the cardio. I was doing what I could, uh, not every day, but four or five days a week, weather dependent. And, uh, we'd finally, I, I decided to do a body and it, biometrical impedance analysis. So the gym that I work out of, uh, Archie K, who you guys heard about or heard from here, um, back in the beginning, we talked about the steel mace with him. You're going to hear him in an upcoming episode because he went from biohacking being all in, all in, all in to biohacking is, is BS. <laughs> uh, so a complete 180. So you'll hear that. That'll be a, a in-person interview we'll post in the coming weeks. But, uh, we did the BIA and Archie said, good man, you lost a lot of weight but uh, you lost almost all muscle. And as soon as he said that, I was like, oh man, I did it. <laughs> I did what everybody does. I did not lift enough or do enough strength training. It was all cardio and caloric deficit. And that is where most people get stuck on the yo-yo. So I made that mistake. So I'm not sitting here pointing fingers at anybody. I made that mistake myself. I am thrice guilty of that. 
as they say. And this is where that mindset uh, was just not there. It was very much an injury. It was that injury process of denial, anger, all that stuff got to me. And I just said, you know what, I'm going to make a a lemon drop cocktail out of these lemons. And uh, I missed the forest for the trees. So I lost the weight, but I lost a ton of muscle mass. And that really affected me because I could see it in the mirror. Even though the scale went down, and I'm sure many of you out there are shaking your head as you're hearing this, you lose the weight, but you look at the mirror or you look at yourself in your kit and you go, I look the same. Well, I need to lose another five pounds. I need to lose another five pounds. And you're stuck on this endless hamster wheel of just losing weight, but you're actually getting weaker on the bike. Your recovery is crap and you're just wondering why. And then you start losing sleep because you don't have the energy to recover. So you wake up in the middle of the night. Thankfully, we stopped it before I went down that side of the things. But there are a number of cyclists that I know that are like that. And uh, triathletes have it even worse. I've seen more triathletes actually that have gotten down that overtraining uh, side of things where they are having disturbed sleep. They're in too big of a caloric deficit. They're losing muscle mass and they just are not able to create the habits and mindset necessary in order to lose fat mass. And that is where, again, mindset, 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 habits, habits, habits. So we want body recomposition. That is what we are looking for. We want the same or more lean muscle mass. We want less body fat. That is what we're going for. Now, the habit side of things comes down really to what uh, is spoken about in the book, Fat Loss Happens on Monday. And this is a great book. Dan John uh, is on there as a co-author. I cannot remember the name of the author off the top of my head. I actually asked him to join us on the podcast here, and I feel horrible uh, not remembering. It's Josh Hillis. So Josh Hillis, he has a great uh, uh, Instagram account if you're looking to follow. Hopefully he'll join us on the podcast here. We'll see uh, what he responds to that invite. Um, And really, it comes down to meal preparation and getting into the habits and not having these negative connotations with food, which thankfully I have never had. And that is thanks to my my first ever coach uh, for powerlifting, Doc Alcoff, may he rest in peace, who taught me there's no bad foods. There's just a bad time and a bad amount. And that really is what the habits and mindset are about. It's, it's recognizing point number two, that it's about the habits you're doing. So meal planning and making sure you're eating healthy things. But point number two is that fat loss, body recomposition, it ain't healthy. So point number two, it ain't healthy. It is not healthy. And my wife actually said this to me a couple times as I was going down the body recomposition path. When I was going through my injury, I told her, hey, I'm doing restrictive. I pretty much ate whatever I wanted in smaller amounts, and I was super strict. I was awesome about counting calories. And by the way, do not use Fitbit or MyFitnessPal to track your calories. I've had numerous clients who have tried using that thing, uh, and none of them have seen quality results. And I really mean that, that. You can use it as a very rough guideline, but when we get to point number three, that's how you want to skip. You want to measure things. But uh, it ain't healthy. It ain't healthy. It is a matter of eating. You know, we want to make this as mindless as possible. We want it to be simple. And Josh talks about this in his book, Fat Loss Happens on Monday, meal planning. It is all about meal planning and making sure that you're putting in a concerted effort on meal planning. As you do that, you will anchor yourself in changing one habit and getting into the mindset of a healthy 
relationship with food and exercise. And this is where so many cyclists and triathletes go wrong is they become obsessed with either their FTP, their watts per kilo, their performances, or riding a certain number of miles or hours a week, and it becomes unhealthy. When it comes to body recomposition, it too is not healthy. But that is why we start with number one, which is mindset, 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 habits, habits, habits. We are changing our mindset for a very short period of time. And when I say short, we're talking anywhere from three to 12 months, sometimes a little bit longer, to give a concerted effort to make unhealthy uh, changes in our diet. And it really is unhealthy. We are looking to restrict our calories to fall short of what we need each day in order to see steady and consistent fat loss. This is really, really important. We want fat loss. This may mean that the scale doesn't change much, but your your clothing do, how you look to do. And this is where bioelectrical, impedo, uh, bioelectrical impedance analysis, BIA, can be useful as one of three tools, which we will talk about in point number seven. But it is not healthy. So going through, when I, I worked with Archie for my diet at a certain point, which was exactly what I, I shared earlier when I went to him to have the BIA, I said, Archie, man, I can do this on my own, but I, I don't have the mental space and I need someone to be accountable to. Can you please write me a menu and help me stay on, on path? And he was very, very uh, happy to do so. He had actually been encouraging me gently as a friend, uh, as a, a professional, he saw me with one of my clients who kept giving me, you know, oh, you got to lose five kilos. I was like, ah, no, I don't need to lose five kilos. This is back when I was 105 kilos. <laughs> I needed to lose five kilos, but I wasn't in the right mindset. I didn't feel ready yet. I didn't respect the fact that I had put on that weight. I didn't recognize it yet. I wasn't there yet. And that's part of the journey. But uh, Archie helped me. He wrote a menu and pretty much our approach was we want this to be on autopilot. We do not want to use the mental energy to decide what I'm going to eat. And we came up with the menu. And that menu is what I ate every single day. It was the same thing every single day. It included two large green salads with lots of greens, uh, as well as a big hefty serving of protein at lunch and a very small serving of protein with some greens at dinner. And I was allowed, and I say the word allowed because that is what we decided. I was allowed to have a cup full of berries uh, as well as dessert before bed to kind of hit that sweet tooth or one date. The reason we did this is because in order to make that change, we have to get a little bit unhealthy. We have to get restrictive. And when we take the decision process out of it, we already make thousands of decisions a day. We're exposed to so many things throughout our day. We have to make thousands of decisions. When we make it a straightforward, strict diet for a short period of time, anywhere from four to eight weeks, we allow you to adjust your mindset and begin to build those habits. And again, Josh Hillis does a great job of talking about this in his book, as well as the importance of keeping a healthy relationship with food. So there's no good foods, no bad foods. There are foods that are going to better help you on your journey of fat loss and body recomposition. And there are foods that are going to be better for the mental side where you need a little bit of comfort food. The key is to keep everything in proportion and make sure that you are keeping your mindset and your habits on point to allow you to get to your goals. But it is not healthy. It is a restrictive period of time. I believe I've said that enough, so we'll move on. So point number three, portion sizes. You have to weigh your food. 
Now, this is where when Archie and I went through my food log, you know what he said to me? Bro, you're eating really well. You got a great menu here. You're just eating too much. You're eating for maintenance. And my first response to him was, yeah, I know, because I haven't lost any weight, (laughs) right? So I knew the foods to eat. I I knew exactly what to do. We changed the order in that I was eating them. So we had removed the berries that, that used to be in my oatmeal in the morning, and these were now a night snack to kind of hit that sweet tooth if my sugar dropped or as a reward. And we also changed the order that I was eating the food. So instead of having a really large portion of protein at dinner, we changed it to lunch, which for me was awesome. Now, had I been one of my clients, I had someone just the other week, uh, we're working together, we're about three weeks in, his menu is a larger serving of protein at dinner time because his workouts are in the late afternoon, early evening. So for me, my workouts are right after my morning sessions, usually around 11, 12 in the morning. So that large dose of protein really served me well to not only get protein to keep me full through the rest of the day, but also around the training session. So the portion sizes for me, I was pretty close, but when I started measuring them, I was 25 to 35% over with all of my carbohydrates. My quinoa was over, my brown rice was over, my oatmeal was way over. I was actually having uh, 100% more oatmeal than I should have, 100 grams instead of 50. But because I was eyeing it, and I have different um, senses of what a good bull looks like on the days, depending on how high hungry I am. There were some days I was at 70 grams and other days I was at 100. The scale does not lie. But again, this is not healthy. Comes back to point number two. It is not healthy. I'm weighing my food. I did it for about three months, uh, just at very regularly. I took Saturdays off. I was not weighing my food on Saturdays. I eyeballed it a little bit. But I only did it for that long. Archie kept saying, you don't need to keep weighing if you feel like you have a a good handle on it. Because you're seeing the body recomposition happen, you can stop weighing the food every time and just do it once or twice a week to check in. You have to know yourself. I have some clients where I tell them, do not weigh your food except for Mondays. Mondays or Mondays and Fridays, I like to start off the week by weighing and then if we need to, towards the middle of the week, just to make sure that they're staying on point. But there are some of us, especially as endurance athletes or weight weenies, where we get too sucked in. Again, it ain't healthy. We want to do this in just the right amounts that will allow us to see our goals, but not so much that we're reinforcing negative habits. Now, this leads to number four. With those portion sizes and the scale are proteins. Now, one of the things that I really changed, and and this was a big mind shift for me, but when I gave Archie the reins, I really gave him the reins. I said, I I know what I need to do, but I need you to tell me. So one of the first things he did is he said, get rid of the protein shake. You're taking 50 grams of protein a day through protein shakes. You don't need it. You need real protein. And for me, that was a really hard mind shift because all I had known up to that point when I wanted to get lean was a protein shake. That's what I would do. I would do a two scoop protein shake with water, a piece of fruit or a date on the side for a little bit of sugars. And that was my anchor for my days when I had long work days. And by taking that out, what that did is it, it forced me to do two things. One was to commit time to sit down and eat, which allowed me to actually stop while I felt about I felt about three quarters full and allowed me to significantly decrease the total calories I took in. And number two, it allowed me to have real food, real proteins during the middle of the day, which actually kept me way fuller for way longer and helped me stay more regular in the bathroom because they were alongside them. I had uh, greens 
or a green salad with just some uh, vinegar or balsamic vinegar or uh, apple cider vinegar and salt and pepper on the top. I would do granulated garlic occasionally, or I would do a little bit of hot sauce if I wanted something. But those proteins, as opposed to a protein shake, were really, aside from shuffling my, my day around, really did it for me. And I still have two huge tubs of protein because I ordered them right before Archie and I started working together. So now I use them like when I'm done recording this, I'm going right to track. So I'm going to take a protein shake with me, but I've already had my huge serving of protein at lunch. Today was a homemade uh, lentil soup that my wife made the other day, which was absolutely fantastic. And I'm going to take an apple with me for a protein shake. And that's my evening uh, snack, essentially. Our track is much later in the day these days. So the proteins being real proteins and then only using protein shakes, and I strongly recommend shakes that you make at home or scoop yourself because it gives you much better control over the sugars in them. The ones you buy from the store are extremely high in sugar and preservatives, whereas the ones you buy off the counter, you have quite a bit more control to choose a high quality brand that doesn't have as much uh, garbage in it. So for me, uh, About Time Protein is the one that I learned about many years ago. It's now been 15 years that they've been around. Um, so that's my go-to protein when I can get my hands on it here overseas. And if I can't, I usually go with Dimatize, uh, which is uh, very few ingredients. It's the cleanest one I've been able to find, and it sits well with my stomach, and I like their, or well, love their Fruity Pebbles flavor and their chocolate flavor. It does it for me. It, it checks the box. It feels like cheating, and it's not. But number four, getting real proteins in. Now, I've already hinted at number five and talked about it here alongside the proteins, and that is greens. We're not just talking dark leafy greens. We're also talking about different types of fibers, specifically cruciferous vegetables. Uh, I myself am, am a, have become a little bit of an arugula junkie. Uh, actually, my second job ever, my first job ever was, uh, uh, third job ever, my first job ever was running my own little Kool-Aid stand out front of my house. Uh, my second job ever was working as a, essentially a, a delivery hand, uh, farm hand, where I would drive around with uh, an organic uh, farmer in the east end of Pittsburgh and help him take his um, uh, crate to table essentially uh, and we would deliver locally into porches and I would carry stuff so I learned about arugula then and then my third job was working in the green grocer and uh, she would have me move boxes of fruits around in the refrigerator and take stuff out and she would get the best arugula the farmer she had, I don't know who it was, but it was people would come in specifically for the arugula. That would be, they would buy that and something else kind of token, but they would come to her for the arugula. So I've really come to love uh, cruciferous vegetables. Uh, I really think that arugula does it for me. I just feel good after I eat it, but you can also do regular lettuce. You can do iceberg lettuce if you prefer. Uh, I personally like butter lettuce, the different colors of it. Uh, but you can also do uh, things like uh, cauliflower. Uh, broccoli, um, okra has one that I've, I've come to like as I've lived abroad. Uh, it's really filling. It has a different type of fiber to it, but greens, lots and lots of greens. So my lunch and my dinners are focused around greens. And, you know, one of my, my body recomposition clients calls them sad salads. <laughs> but what I'm trying to teach her is it doesn't have to be sad. We add, you know, 25 or 30 grams of quinoa or 50 grams of quinoa or brown rice and we put in some balsamic vinaigrette uh, balsamic vinegar and we put on a little bit of apple cider vinegar and we add some granulated garlic or some black pepper and you can really spice it up quite a bit uh, but having the green salad not cucumbers and tomatoes but greens 
It does a number of things to you. It helps breed better, happy, healthy bacteria in your gut, uh, which hopefully we will learn about with an upcoming uh, guest. I won't mention the name. Hopefully he will join us as well. Um, but these greens are really important to help keep you regular in the bathroom, as well as to stabilize your blood sugar and get you different types of vitamins and minerals that you need as an endurance athlete in particular to look, move, and recover better. And when I say look better, it changes the texture of your skin, your eyes. These vegetables are so important. They're like the spark plugs. You can have an F1 car, but if you have a spark plug that's not firing right, you're not going to get the performance that you need out of it. So that is number five. Greens and lots of them uh, twice a day would be my recommendation. I personally find lunch when I can and dinner to be absolutely paramount. And on the days that I have my green salads two or three days in a row, I feel way better. I consume less caffeine uh, and I just feel better. Now this leads to number six, and this was a big uh, challenge for me. And I mentioned this in the newsletter a number of weeks ago, and that is liquid calories. Now, in the newsletter, I mentioned uh, I would have uh, coffees, and that was where I took my calories. And now some people took that to mean I was getting mochas and pumpkin spice latte. I am a pumpkin spice latte junkie when I can get my hands on it. Caramel macchiato from Starbucks also, but I greatly limit those. I actually was not referring to those types of liquid calories, I was talking about just a regular latte, a 16-ounce latte, which has around 285 calories. Well, if you're having two or three of those a day like I was, that was literally half of my caloric allowance for that day. So uh, when Archie and I started working together, straight black coffee. So my trade-off was if I have to drink straight black coffee, I am only going to have coffee that I enjoy. So what I did is I went to uh, the roaster that I like here. I bought a whole bunch of beans. Uh, my wife gave me a little bit of a hard time because I was spending like 100 bucks, 150 bucks a month on beans. But what I did is I cut cost on a whole bunch of other foods, including coffee out. So I did the math for her and showed her, you know, after a week and a half of not buying lattes out, we are now even. So the next two and a half weeks, three and a half weeks are essentially take home. Um, and that's how we worked with that with the budget. And it worked extremely well. So I had only black coffee. If I was out and I didn't have anything and I wanted to have some type of energy drink, it was an Americano. Uh, it gave me the liquid volume that I liked with the coffee. And after a certain point, once Archie and I saw that I had turned the corner and was really building lean muscle mass and burning fat off uh, and losing body fat, uh, he said, okay, you can add a little bit of milk. You don't have to be super strict. You can add in, just don't go crazy. So it would be an Americano with some steamed milk. And to be honest, most days, that's what I get now because I find I don't need that much milk. I like the taste of milk in the coffee. It gives it more texture. If I know I'm not going to be able to eat for a couple hours, I'll have a latte. But then I know that I have to make an adjustment a little bit later with my carbohydrates uh, to, to adjust. But as we go through this, those liquid calories, and I include diet soda as liquid calories. Now, I know some of you will be saying, well, it's Coke Zero. Uh, what do you mean? Pepsi Max. It doesn't have any calories. As we are now seeing with the science, those drinks have phenylcotronics, uh, phenylalanine in particular, and that negatively affects the hormones in the body, and that can lead you to hold on or gain weight. So I see those as liquid calories. Even though they don't have a calorie number on the bottle, they are changing the internal environment so that it is negative, and you're, you're seeing weight gain. Not, it's not negative. It's zero, but it is changing things. So to me... When someone says, I really don't want to give up my diet cola, 
no problem, we can do that. Let's try coffee or green tea and then you can have one a day. And and when we get people off of the diet soda, by the way, this is totally um, just me working with enough people over the years. The number of women in particular that I've seen who have dropped or, or been able to break the addiction, their words, not mine, of the, the diet soda and to go to coffee or tea, uh, black, green, yellow, white, doesn't matter what type of tea, they see faster and more sustainable weight loss. And to me, it is a, a sign that my hunch and what we're now seeing from the science was correct in that these chemicals are helping them keep weight on rather than lose it. So just something to keep in mind. The liquid calories uh, is not just about uh, fancy coffees. It's not just about soda. Uh, it's also not just about juices. All of this counts. Your smoothies, your healthy smoothies. And that was where I went wrong when I uh, lost those eight kilos uh, uh, total, I lost weight, but I lost a lot of muscle, is there was a smoothie bar right underneath, or is a smoothie bar right underneath the gym, and I would go there and I would get a smoothie. And I did the math. I looked, I read, I read everything. I read all of the ingredients. There were two that I found were acceptable, but they had 600 to 800 calories, depending on if I got a medium or a large. And this is what a lot of people don't realize. That smoothie may be healthy. It may taste amazing, but it's also going to be, for women, more than half or two-thirds of your daily allotment of calories. So you have to be very careful about that, and you have to put things into perspective. It might be healthy, but again, losing fat mass or body recomposition is not healthy. So we need to go away from that for a little bit and I would completely avoid any type of diet, whatever. I, I, I think that uh, when it comes to adding chemicals to our food, it does more harm than good, especially when we're trying to get weight loss. We want to stick to nice, healthy, wholesome nutrients. All right, number seven. We want, and this was a big one uh, for me, and I knew that. And again, once I went to Archie and we did the BIA, and it showed that, I yeah, I lost eight pounds, but I lost seven and a half kilos of muscle mass to me. It was the final nail in the coffin of using multiple measurements. Now, this is something that I had learned a, a number of years ago uh, when I had somebody who was looking to do uh, what I would refer to then as fat loss. Again, now it's body recomposition. I would have them take pictures uh, once a month or every four to five weeks in a specific set of clothing, a shirt and pants or shirt and shorts in the same lighting. We would make sure it was not natural lighting, but it was in a room in the same position. They put a little scotch tape on the floor so they could stand in the same spot. And we would also use the scale. One that I have added, and this is something that I just started doing with my CrossFitter that uh, we were working on. Uh, so when Courtney and I worked together, uh, we were looking for muscle mass increase, so hypertrophy as well. We went through two nice uh, cycles of that. So we did girth measurements but you need a special measuring device for this. It has to have a spring in the end so you can't cheat. I do see a lot of coaches just using a, regu a regular uh, measure, tape measure uh, that they would get like for, um, for someone who would fix clothing, uh, but that is not appropriate. There are special ones. They're somewhere between eight and 12 bucks on eBay. They are not expensive, but you buy them. They have a spring in the end and they allow you to actually get true measurements. And uh, what I really like to do, and, and I actually found this really nice that Joshua, uh, Josh Hillis has this in his book as well, uh, Fat Loss Happens on Mondays, that he also recommends you use the scale one week. So you can do two days during the week if you want. You do it first thing in the morning after you go to the bathroom, either in your underwear or in your birthday suit, depending on what you're more comfortable with. So right after you go to the bathroom, 
And then the next week, you will do girth measurements. You will do anthropometric measurements. So you will measure your biceps, your chest, your waist, your hips. And if you want, you can also do each thigh. What this does is gives us a number on a scale. So how much gravitational force is there? Uh, are you losing uh, sizes? And then the last one is the clothing one. So Josh recommends using all threes. And I the light bulb went off and I said, oh, I got to do the girth measurements with everybody. That's a fantastic. Because... Body recomposition does not happen in a straight line. You're not going to lose fat mass every single week. You're not going to see yourself drop down a size or two every month, but you are going to see each one of these is going to move a little bit differently. So if you get all three of these over the course of three weeks are going in the negative direction, it is a very clear sign that you need to change something or something is not working. It could be your sleep. It could be your timing of your nutrients. It could be that you are not using you know, point number uh, three, the scale enough, the portion sizes are off, or you're cheating too much, just a nibble here or there. But using these three measurements allows us to see a more realistic picture of what is going on with your body recomposition. And more often than not, once we get to week two, whether it's scale and then girth or girth and then clothes or clothes and then scale, usually by the time you get to, to week number two, you already know that you haven't been doing what you need to. But it's so much nicer than looking at the number on the scale and feeling horrible about yourself than to, it's better to, to not do that than to say, oh, well, here's a confirmation. I'm not doing what I need to do. I need to get back on the bus um, and, and back on the path. Now, there is a joke. I don't remember where it originates. Uh, it's funny, but also sad at the same time. Uh, the joke goes, a, a little boy was in uh, school, and they were learning about health and fitness, and the teacher holds up a scale and says, does anybody know what this is? And the little boy raises his hand and says, yes, it makes mommy cry, <laughs> right? Horrible joke, and yet, especially for women, uh, they measure themselves based off of the scale, or off of their size. And this is something that thankfully we're seeing change. Uh, in the world of fitness, we're seeing a number of people. Sherelle Grant is a great one. She's based out of Australia. She's a uh, women's professional body uh, um, bodybuilder. So she's an IBF uh, pro, if I'm not mistaken. And she, or she just turned pro. She just got her pro card. Very hard to do. And she does a great job of showing real. She shows uh, behind the scenes of her bloated, her having uh, the spots on her on uh, her leg because of the leggings, uh, her on bad days, her on good days. And then she shows also in some of her posts the filters that people use to lie on social media, make themselves look better. And she's done a really great job of being true and letting us know, especially the women out there, that what you see in social media is not real. And it's all, most of it is made up. We also have on the other side, uh, Brett Contreras has done a great job of helping women understand that getting stronger is going to help you get leaner. And then if you work, if you want to have a thinner waist, uh, this is Andrew Coates, who's a previous guest on this podcast, had a great post the other week about if you want to have a smaller waist, build up your booty, build up your, your shoulders and upper torso to be stronger, get your arms to look leaner, and you will have a smaller waist. It's not about losing a size or looking a certain way. It's about increasing your lean muscle mass in a way that's going to help you to be able to perform. Now, as cyclists, these multiple measurements can really help us as well. We can see if things are getting out of proportion or are things going in the right way? 
So I very rarely do this. I only had one or two riders that I can think of off the top of my head, and I don't think there were any more actually, where the girth measurements, we saw that they lost girth around their shoulders. We did chest and shoulder and arm measurements, uh, so bicep measurements. And as we got into their, their peak season through their build, we saw they lost size in their upper body, but their climbing power went up and they were no longer having the neck and shoulder pain or fatigue that they had had in the years previous because of the strength training we did. So we added muscle size, we tapered their strength training to meet their training demands and energy abilities to recover and adapt, kept 80% of their upper body strength. They were doing pull-ups. We're talking about cyclists, male and female, a male and a female, doing multiple pull-ups in the middle of the season. And they were lean. Like people couldn't believe. They're like, oh yeah, you're going to be able to pull yourself up. Oh, there's three and a half, four pull-ups. That's really impressive actually. So you should have that upper body strength and ability, but during the season, these girth measurements can let us know, hey, you're dialing back your upper body uh, strength training enough that you're losing that lean muscle mass so you can climb well, you're not carrying extra weight, or they're telling us, maybe we should cut out the arms a little bit and just do the absolute uh, fundamentals for you to keep that, uh, that shoulder blade moving well and that shoulder protected and those bones nice and strong. So if, God forbid, you do crash, it's not horrific because we're taking the stress off of those bones. And that's something, a little bit of an offshoot here, but uh, when it comes to strength training, a number of master cyclists, one of the reasons they do it is they want to increase bone density. Well, guess what? In order for bone density to increase, one, you need to challenge that specific bone structure in a way that's going to cause the electromagnetic changes or, or charges that are going to attract the things necessary in order to strengthen the bone. And number two, you have to keep the muscles and ligaments and tendons and tissues around it strong as well. So just lifting for your legs and doing deadlifts and squats, yeah, you can say, you're, yeah, but I'm holding the bar for my, my deadlifts. You need to train your upper torso how to rotate, how to move, get movement in through your rib cage so you can breathe better, use more of the natural tidal volume that you have. I've had a number of cyclists that have horrible breathing patterns, and just by working through uh, the basic breathing exercises I have in the Strength Training for Cyclist Certification course or in my book, Strength Training for Cycling Performance, they see massive improvements. Oh, my VO2 went up. Well, no, your VO2 didn't go up. We just got you the ability to get more air in so that you're able to perform. That's it. It also allows us to have a healthier shoulder girdle and neck health, and this is really important and it ties into longevity. But these are an offshoot, just something that we can touch on during this conversation. Now, we talked about seven different points so far about fat loss or more specifically what I like to call body recomposition. Now, if you follow these seven and you are still trying to gain performance on the bike and see your FTP increase, or you're looking to increase your VO2 max, or you're also looking to increase your one minute all out, those things are going to make your body recomposition much more challenging if you are focusing on those things. But before we get to our eighth point, let's recap and then we'll talk about why that is. So number one, point number one for body recomposition, mindset, 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 habits, habits, habits. Number two, it is not healthy. Body recomposition, fat loss is not a healthy lifestyle. It is not something you want for the long term. We are doing it for a short period of time between three and 12 months to allow you to change your mindset and habits so that you're healthier in the long term and in that ability 
we have to, or to get that, we have to create the ability to have a healthier uh, overall relationship with food, as well as understanding this short period of time, three to 12 months is unhealthy. We are going to take it a little bit extreme, but we're going to keep a good relationship with food and our emotions in food as we go. Number three, portion sizes. Stop relying on an app, put your food on a scale and measure it, but don't become obsessive with it. You do it just enough to know what the serving sizes are to keep you on track, and then you dial it down to once or twice a week to check in and make sure you're on point. Number four, proteins. Protein shakes are nice, but we want real whole proteins, whether it's tofu or tempeh or whatever you want, soy or whey or animal. We really prefer to have whole proteins. So I prefer tofu over uh, a shake of whey, soy, whatever. Those have their place, but we want to put the heavy building blocks, pun intended, on real whole proteins and whole meals. Number five, greens and lots of them. Cruciferous vegetables are fantastic. Arugula, um, you also have the small red radishes. You have Brussels sprouts, broccoli, cauliflower. These offer you tons of benefits for your gut biome as well as for your regularity in the bathroom as they have lots of different types of fiber. Okra is another one. We want to make sure we're getting greens and lots of them. These go alongside your main um, meals. Number six, liquid calories. I also include diet soda or included diet soda there. So make sure you are watching your liquid calories. Uh, one strategy that worked for me was to go to Americano, just straight black coffee, but I bought a higher quality coffee. It wound up saving us on the budget each month, uh, somewhere around 200 bucks, which is significant. Uh, and it also allowed me to really see significant changes. And then when I did go back to coffee, I went to an Americano with a little bit of steamed milk. And I find most days I don't actually need the latte. Number seven, multiple measurements. Do not just use the scale, but rather use scale, girth measurements, and clothing, how it's fitting. Now, one thing with the clothing uh, is you want to make sure you're using the same pair of shorts or pants as well as shirt at the same time of the day. Don't do it in the morning one, one month or one week, and then three weeks later, do it in the evening. You want to do it the same time of day. And then also, when you're doing this, you have to keep in mind that if you're bloated or you're not feeling that great or you ate something that didn't sit well with you, you have to take that into account. So you may want to repeat that measurement uh, or that, that picture or putting those clothes on another day or two when you are having uh, a little bit more normal day. Not a good day, a normal day. That brings us to our last one, and we kind of hinted at this, is if you are trying to create fat loss, or more specifically, more precisely, body recomposition, you need to have one goal. And this is underlined, one goal, exclamation point. The base period time of year that we're in right now in the Northern Hemisphere, November, December, January, February, the hardest part of the year is between this Thursday, Thanksgiving in the U.S., and January 2nd, because there's lots of temptation, lots of cookies, lots of different foods, lots of drinking as well. And this leads us, uh, I saw this from Alan Argon a couple of weeks ago. He had an uh, Instagram reel that he talked about, and I don't know how true this is, so I'm quoting what I would consider a reliable source, but please double check this on your own and do deeper research. And if I'm wrong, uh, I apologize. He said that most Americans put on around five pounds between Thanksgiving and New Year's. And the challenges where they put the weight on uh, year to year is they don't do enough between New Year's and Thanksgiving to lose those five pounds. 
And year after year, they just put on the five pounds and then it sticks around or most of it sticks around and then put on the five pounds. So that's why this episode is going out now, the week of Thanksgiving, because we want to have a healthy relationship with our food. Really important. And Josh Hillis in his book, uh, co-written or, or alongside with uh, Dan John, they both have portions in the book, does a fantastic job of helping you have the right mindset and develop the right habits to keep a healthy relationship with food and allow you to progress nicely. But if you're going to do body recomposition, that is your only goal. Now, this does not mean that you can't get really strong during that period. It does not mean that you can't get really fit during that period. However, it does mean you're not going to be able to get the extremes or the big increases in your strength or your performances in that time. Now, some of you who are health and, proficient, uh, health and fitness professionals out there may say, what, what are you talking about? Yes, you can. No, you can't. You do one thing in one direction at one time. It is just like bike fitting. If you want to body recompensate you and do the body recomposition, rather, excuse me, you have to make sure that you are focusing on that and that alone. It does not mean we let your fitness go to the toilet. We do do some hard efforts, but because we know that you're in a caloric deficit and we are purposefully shorting the amount of energy available for you so that you have to tap into the fat stores, which by the way, when you do it right, it increases your fat burning efficiency and effectiveness, which allows you to have a better motor for, ta-da, endurance sports. Awesome. But if you want to do that, you have to cut yourself a whole bunch of slack. I can count barely on all my fingers and toes, and I'm thankful to have all 20 of them, how many times I cut a high-intensity uh, session short or skipped intervals because I did not feel good. I did not have the energy available. And you know what my coach said? Great job. Your heart rate didn't recover. That was a good job in, in calling it. Or why did you decide to skip the session? Well, my energy was just really low. I started the warm-up. Uh, I did the dynamic warm-up and the breathing, but I, when I got on the, the Versa Climber, I just I didn't have it. Like I was fine, fine, fine. And then the first three minutes, he said, great, no problem. And I see that you, you did nose breathing only and you did, um, I, I can't remember what the word is, but essentially endurance for about 15 minutes and then you got off. Yeah, that's all I had for the day. Awesome. When you are going for fat loss or again, body recomposition, I really would prefer to use that term, but because so many people come into this with fat loss. So please start changing it. When somebody asks, what are you doing? I am recompensating my body, the recomposition of my body, I'm getting it to be more muscle mass and less fat. When you do this properly, the results are phenomenal. And this is where body electrical impedance analysis can help you. Now, these tools are highly inaccurate, and I must point that out, but they give you another measurement. I like to do this on the same weeks that I do my scale. So when I do my scale, my third week, I Contact Archie. Hey, can I come in for a quick measurement today? The BIA takes around two to three minutes. It sends a very small electrical signal, which travels faster through fat, slower through your muscle. It is important to do it at the same time. You don't want to do it after you've drank a lot or after you've worked out because that changes the fluids uh, in the body and where they are. And essentially what you're looking to do is just have an idea, a rough idea of what's going on. 
Now, there are scales that you can buy out there. Uh, really, what you're looking for is one that is reliable. Uh, Tanita is the name brand that I like. Uh, when I worked as an exercise physiologist at the uh, Greater Pittsburgh Bariatric uh, Center, uh, which was a, a center of excellence, and I learned a lot while I was there, the, t- the scale that I had was Tanita, but it was the high-end uh, medical scale. So the Tanita brand... To me, and I could be wrong here, so if you're a listener and you know better, I'm more than happy to hear what brand you like. The Tanita scale is over on uh, Amazon. I think right now it's like 70 bucks or $99. Uh, You want to use that once a week, maybe twice a week, and you will see when you get the slight energy deficit, and for Archie and I, we did around 300 calories a day for me. It was not that much. It was a very small caloric deficit, but we reorganized my day. We reorganized my meals. We also changed the um, uh, amount that I had, uh, so this, the portion sizes. In the first two weeks, I saw an increase of two kilos, or sorry, the first month, I saw an increase of two kilos of fat mass and a loss of 2.1 or 2.2 kilos of fat mass. So technically the scale went up, or excuse me, down 0.2, which if you just measure by the scale itself is a failure. But when you understand what is happening underneath, that is huge encouragement. And every time that I've met with Archie since, once we've made that, that decision and I changed my mindset, we have seen my lean muscle mass go up and my body fat comes down. And every time he says, what did you change? What are you doing now? You're lifting heavier, you're lifting different. Nope. I'm doing the exact same thing because my body is familiar with where it was before. It's happy to build lean muscle mass because I'm focusing on the rest and recovery and I'm allowing myself to be flexible with my food. I am not saying, oh, I can't have that because it's bad. For instance, yesterday, before I went to pick up my son, uh, we posted on Instagram a picture of us jumping around in puddles. It was really cold, really rainy. So my bar- my body needs a little bit more calories. I didn't eat enough. I was at the lower end because I was sitting around doing computer work, and I realized I needed something. I had a small, uh, small serving or small-sized chocolate croissant, and I had absolutely zero guilt. And it was phenomenal. It is one of those things that when you get it right, you are able to enjoy your life You're able to understand there's no bad foods. There's a good time for the food and a bad time for food. And you really have to tap into what is the meaning behind the food? Uh, Am I enjoying this? And is this going to help or hurt me in my bigger goal? So I am due for another measurement with Archie here this week. So I can't give you a final number uh, as of the posting of this podcast, but I can tell you right now, I'm sitting just above 90 kilos or right around, you know, any anywhere from 89.5 to 90.2 on any given day on the scale, but the lean muscle mass is up significantly. The lean body mass is up significantly. So even though my initial goal with him was to get down to 83, which was uh, racing weight back in the day, uh, I'm actually much happier where I am right now. Uh, So that is the last point. The bonus point is it's not about the number on the scale. It's about how you feel and the sustainability of what you are able to do. Now, Jordan Syatt had a great um, post about this the other day on Instagram. I actually shared it on my Instagram story at HV training, where he says the last five pounds that most people say they want to lose is going to require 80% more sacrifice and focus than you needed for the rest of it. And I would say that's mostly true. If you're really focused on a number, if I was really focused on 83 or even 85, as I would have been five, six, seven years ago, 
I would be in a really bad mental place. I'd be upset. I wouldn't be looking forward to my training. I wouldn't be looking forward to the, the meals that I'm going to eat. And I certainly wouldn't be looking forward to Thanksgiving and all of the holiday foods that are coming. But you know what? I am very happy with where I am. Yeah, I want to lose about another kilo and a half, two kilos of body fat. I'd say that's pretty standard. But I know that if I do the things that I need to, I can maintain this weight and this body composition through the holidays. And once that's done, then I can sacrifice a little bit more if I choose to, to get down to a leaner body composition if I wanted to. But it is not a necessity. And that is the final point. And that is you need to be happy in your own body. So I had to go through, and I think most people, when they, they come to the realization that they need to do a body recomposition, is you have to be unhappy. You have to say either, look at my health markers, look at my, my BMI, look at uh, my clothing, how they're fitting, uh, and you just have to get fed up with it. And you have to make the decision that you, that you want to, no, let me rephrase that. You make the decision that you must, not want, it is a must, change what you're doing because it's not working for you. And when you do that, it is not an easy journey, I can tell you that, but it is one that is incredibly rewarding. So this is a culmination of the conversations that I've had uh, both with myself, looking back through my training journal, as well as the number of conversations for the applicants I've had for the 12 in 10 program. Now, if you're interested in seeing if the 12 in 10 program, and by the way, that is, uh, sorry, 10 in 12 program, my apologies. Uh, if you are interested in the 10 in 12 program, what this is, is it is geared to help you lose 10 pounds of fat in 12 weeks through strength training and cycling and or running workouts. Uh, and it is the one focus, the one goal is to body recomposition. That is it. It is a very small number of uh, people that I'm working with at this level because it is very intensive uh, and it needs to be the right fit at the right time. So if you're interested, you can click on the link to fill out the Google form uh, in the show description. But if that is not for you. Again, the last little uh, announce that we have 25% off the Stronger After 50 course and 25% off the Strength Training for Cyclist certification here this week until Monday, November 27th, 2023, as well as a number of Black Friday week specials that will go out to the email list and the H Free Training Strength Training for Cyclist uh, group over on Facebook, which you can find the link to in the show description. So if you would like to get in, we have some really awesome specials that I've never done before. Uh, I actually don't know if we're going to do them again, but we are going to run some really big specials uh, that will make it much uh, more accessible for a lot of people and uh, something that I'm hoping I can help those of you listening here to get to your goals for next year. So until next time, remember, train smarter, not harder, because it is all about you. Have a fantastic week and talk to you next week. Hey, Menachem here, and I just wanted to ask if you enjoyed this episode or any of the previous Strong Savvy Cyclist and Triathlete podcast episodes, please hit the subscribe button. Our goal here is to hit 50,000 subscribers or followers in 2023 before year's end, and it would really mean a lot to me to have your support and to know that you are out there listening, looking forward to each weekly episode that we put out here at the SSCT podcast. Thanks, and have a great week. Talk to you guys next Sunday. That's it for this episode. Check out humanvortextraining.com for more great content and to keep learning.